0: Ha ha it's season four it's super rainy and very glum in london today but our hearts are full of excitement about recording an episode and chatting with an awesome uh, guest today and my other co-host is on francesca how are you
1: i am good thanks despite this horrible weather as as you said very excited about our guest today
0: yeah So this is a special one, I think, for me personally um, and and for you, Francesca, as well. But our guest, I would count as not only someone that I met through work, but um, probably one of my very dear male friends, Rodrigo Mendoza-Smith. Welcome.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Petra and Francesca. I'm (laughs) delighted to be here with you. I'm very excited about this chat.
0: Great. So, I mean, you're not suffering in... London grayness. You're in Mexico City right now, is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yes, uh, I've been um, in Mexico City for already almost two years. And uh, yes, like I've been uh, wanting to sort of like go back to London, but naturally with COVID, that hasn't been possible yet.
0: And what's been the, um, you know, briefly, like the the, the situation there? Can you go outside? Can you see? Friends.
2: Yeah, like pretty much, you can go outside. You can go to the supermarkets, uh, cinemas. Um, you can go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Only requirement is you have to wear a mask wherever you are uh, on the streets, on coffee shops, etc. And I think it's working out very well so far. People are uh, wearing masks. Uh, there's like temperature checks at every building, antibacterial gel. Is available almost everywhere, so yeah, I, I guess we're all back to normal, but we have to wear masks and you know, like uh, put some gel in our hands every every time we enter a new building. Which
0: so so you actually have a really unique background for someone in venture. You've had very unique roles, and you know, you just finished fundraising for your own company, or did you just close or? Um,
2: that's right, yes. We recently closed our first funding round. Uh, it's a pretty round for a new company called Quine. Uh, I mean, we're still in stealth mode, so there's only so much I can share, but it's a, it's a company at the intersection of machine learning, developer tools, and the future of work. We are already a team of six people, and yes, like uh, we're currently operating on a fully remote basis, but uh, eventually we will be all converging in London. So, so yes, like, um, it was uh, working working venture a couple of years ago. And then he came back to Mexico, uh, was living in Mexico for, uh, almost two years and started a remote fundraise. We partnered with an amazing fund and yes, like, we're very happy that we're finally kickstarting this.
1: Well, a massive congratulations on that. And I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more, but, um, in, in terms of just looking at it chronologically, I'd love to hear about your journey um, and obviously it's, it's nice uh, whilst we go along that to uh, pinpoint when, when we all met, but how from someone that presumably grew up in Mexico did you end up in London, like what was the story there?
2: Right, well I guess long story short, yes I, I was born and raised in Mexico City I essentially went to university in in Mexico City to a place called uh, ETAM, stands for Mexican Institute uh, of Technology. I studied applied mathematics and and kind of like started working during my sophomore year at a genomics research laboratory in Mexico City backed by the government. Uh, I I was there during my sophomore and, and senior years in college. I realized that I just wanted to pursue research professionally. So, um, yeah, like r- right after I-, I took like this, I would say gap year in which I-, I was working at an industry at a startup here in Mexico City doing like uh, social media analytics on Twitter. Uh, it was a quite an interesting job. Essentially, we were analyzing uh, Twitter information for political candidates uh, back, uh, back then. We were the, sort of the like... The favorite
1: uh, analytica of Mexico.
2: Sort of, yeah, kind of like this. We, we were buying every tweet originating from from Mexico, buying some big data algorithms. I mean, this was back in 20, 2009, 2010. So like uh, before I guess machine learning and AI was cool. And uh, I, right like, right after this, I applied to graduate school. And I got, a, I was awarded on a scholarship to go to Oxford uh, as a master's student. That was naturally my first choice. I did a master's in maths modeling and scientific computing and then progressed to the phd in mathematics and, and, and then I, I stayed in oxford for five years after that because right after a phd i also joined the machine learning group that's how i ended up calling the uk and oxford a second home and right i guess just to summarize the story then how how did i get into venture so towards the end of my PhD, i kind of like wanted to contract myself and then I was referred to like this startup in, in London who needed a data scientist. So I started working with them. Then sort of like their investors contacted me and they were like, hey, do you, would you like to hang out with us? We're trying to do some data science pipeline here. So so yes, like then I started contracting for a London-based VC fund. and That's essentially when we all met, I think, at some point.
0: Awesome. And so... I mean, what does data science in, in the context of VC mean? Because it's quite an unusual and unique role. Um, although now I feel like more, maybe more in the US, um, VCs are using data science as a way to optimize deal flow, as a way to get through deal flow. But that's kind of the limit of my understanding. What does right. it mean in your sense?
2: That's an interesting question. Uh, so. When I was first considering um, working in data science for VC, I, I thought the work would be similar to what what happens right now in quantitative hedge funds. But what what I realized that, um when I joined the, the VC world is that really the, the data uh, venture capitalists have is quite noisy, quite messy, quite unstructured. So if at all, the, the job is is way harder, or the problem is way harder at least than what, what, what happens in in the quantitative hedge fund space. So there's definitely a number of problems that VCs are, let's say, facing on a, on a day-to-day basis. The most important one is, of course, getting deal flow. The, the, the job of a VC is to deploy money. And kind of like deploy the money in like the teams or, or companies that are the most promising. That can be sort of an okay problem to work on once there's enough data and enough information about the company. But when teams are at so early stage, it is just really, really difficult. So so yeah, like the- the role of a data scientist in venture capital, I think it varies depending on what stage this fund is, is investing at, but uh, in, in in general, the, the role is to make use or the best use possible of the data available to the fund at that point in time, be it public data or private data, and try to leverage it to help the fund make better decisions or be more efficient in their day-to-day job.
0: And, and did you know a lot of people in your role? Were, was, were there people who were like your peers or were, did you kind of have this blank slate and worked with a partnership in terms of what they wanted?
2: Yes, I I knew one other person, uh, a friend of mine who, who was working uh, as a data scientist at, at another London business. Uh, so definitely i got some feedback and insights uh from him but uh naturally uh also working at different funds you know like we like we we have different challenges and different problems to solve so um in my experience, while my work was very independent, I was also requiring to talk a lot with investors and get their, their feedback and thoughts on what they needed and, and what they thought was possible. It's an interdisciplinary role. I, I think it's naive to think that a new incumbent in the industry can just magically come work at a fund and, and then create value out of nowhere. Uh, uh, like You definitely need to get this insider knowledge and this expertise from them to be able to produce something that's is valuable and people use. Mm,
1: definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put a little bit of pressure on you Rodrigo for like a specific example, because in my head, um, there's almost a, a timeline of responsibilities. If, if you think of the, the traditional startup funnel where, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of screening, then you narrow that down to the next stage, which is, you know, evaluating the company, some get past that view, then you share it with the rest of your team and then you all decide to invest or, or not invest. Like where I can imagine data science can uh, be applied to multiple uh, layers of that funnel or timeline, depending on which way you want to look at it. But could you give an example of maybe something that you did at this London VC that you could see an impact of how machine learning could optimize that process?
2: One example that comes to mind. I remember with the case of of crypto companies. There's data pretty much everywhere. Then it was natural for cryptocurrency projects, cold conversations, for example, in Telegram groups or in Discord groups. There was coin market cap data to analyze as well. There was even GitHub data, right? So in back then, um, this this like cryptocurrency industry demanded like new ways to analyze data, and it's a very difficult problem, I have to say. Um, but right i mean i i guess it really depends on which industries you're tackling which stages you're working on also what's the internal workflow of the fund, right uh, i mean you, you're mentioning one potential workflow but uh there can be many and there can be variations so how do you adapt your tools to each layer it's it's very fund specific uh which is why this Data science for VC thing is, is costly for funds. Like they, they, they often have to build their own tools and they often have to assess what signals they want to get.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so difficult to like generalize a role like this. So, so, so if, I, if I understand correctly, so you actually went into venture through a startup that you were originally working at, correct?
2: Right, it was uh, an investor directly telling me we need some data science help in this portfolio company. Can you go there and work with them? I did that. Then I did that with with another, another portfolio company. And, and then I guess after the second engagement, they invited me to, I would say, hang out with them and try to work out whether we could work together.
0: Got it. I think that's often quite an underestimated way to get into VC is through the portfolio companies, like go into an operator role first, get to know, you know, get to know the industry. It was the case with me where I was at Viagogo, and then through Viagogo went to Index, and then through Index went back into one of the portfolio companies, because I feel like having that operational experience can sometimes benefit you in a way that it doesn't benefit someone who comes directly out of an investing overall.
2: That's that's right. Uh, And to be honest, when I first joined VC, I didn't know joining was so complicated, right? I mean, uh, I I actually didn't know anything about VC, which is quite funny because I I never saw VC as a career option. Like, I mean, after the PhD, I just wanted to continue doing research, uh, continue my academic career, or, you know, like uh, at the very least, go to one of these machine learning research labs. I never, never really... Aspired to work in VC. I, I first encountered the industry through really like randomness, and um, was once I, I was in there, I did feel it was so different to everything I had experienced before. It was a type of decision making I never seen before either. Right? It, it sometimes was heavily based on people's opinions or more like the mental models investors have. Uh, so I, I guess the thing of finding it intri- intriguing was what made me give it a try but but you're right i i later realized that uh, of course it's it's a very weird industry in the sense that there were never job op- job openings it's almost never the case that that obviously advertises hey you know like we have these job openings please apply it is mostly like a very traditional process in which they get introduced to people if you are in this chain of introductions by random chance then then you know like you you get some sort of interview with them but uh, but right I, I i would say that to get into this particular industry especially in in in, in the in the data science side is worth maybe working at one of the portfolio companies of the fund you want to work at or even you know i don't know whether working at vc is is like a career option for m- many data scientists i i definitely seen you know that that uh, the data science community does not understand the VC industry enough to want to go and work there. At the least the cases I know, if none of them really aspire to work in venture. They all just end up working in venture because of some random process in, in their lives that took them there, right? So yeah, I guess with respect to which advice I would give to data scientists wanting to work in the VC industry is, I guess the first step to work in the VC industry is not to want to work in the VC industry and just become a very good data scientist. Yeah, like <laughs> write some blog posts, tweet, um, and then you'll know, like you'll get there. That's, uh, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know any the data scientist that, that has ever told me, hey, I wanna work in VC. It's always, the, I mean, it's always VCs that ask me, hey, can you introduce us to a data scientist? Because we really want to hire one.
1: <laughs> no I really like that I, I think there's some irony there is that you know you have like this group of people that are banging on the doors and then you've got you know other other group of people that are like what on earth is it um and, and it seems to be like data scientists fall in that category but I always love having people on associated that have left VC because I think they can give a much more honest answer, perhaps, of of what VC is all about, why they left, why it wasn't right for them, for for individuals that are in the fund and representing the fund, right? So they, they can't exactly say that you know by all means they can say it's tough, but we don't get like the the complete unabridged version. So I'm curious to know from from your perspective that you worked in VC. As a data scientist and then decided to move out from from that position and, and start your own company so what was the reason behind that
2: well that I, I guess yeah it's sort of a complex answer at the end of the day it boils down to VC wasn't for me uh, i mentioned this before i i never really aspired to work in, to work in VC. i'm not saying i didn't like it but for me i guess a more honest job was really to either do research or continue creating technology. There is this point of view that really changed in me while working on VC, which is, at the beginning, I regarded it as as a job that wasn't really creative, and that sort of frustrated me a little bit. But then I realized the job is highly creative. It's just, it's just a different type of creativity that that is exercised there. So I remember this quote by Jack Goldman, who, who was uh, at Xerox. He used to say, there are two ways of being creative. Uh, one can sing and dance, or one can create an environment in which singers and dancers flourish. Right. And the first step, to create an environment in which singers and dancers flourish is, an, is sort of like capital. So, so in a way, uh, VCs are enabling creativity through capital, which I think is quite cool. To put a bit more context, uh, as an academic, I often prefer to, to work on things that are not necessarily lucrative, but are very interesting. Uh, if you're in academia, you're, you're in academia because you're, you really love the work 100% and you don't really care about maybe compensation or you don't care about I don't, I don't know, like, uh, other random job perks that companies might give you. So, so so, I guess when getting into VC, then I, I started feeling these dissonances inside me, in which, you know, like part of me wanted to do something just for the beauty of creation. And part of me just wanted to like do something that had an impact in the outside world. And the VC the world made me realize that uh, there are clear ways to, to being creative at scale. So yes, like if at all, I think VC was helpful to find what was the way in which I wanted to be creative and in which i wanted to have an impact uh the, the the bad thing in academia is that you can be very creative but what you do doesn't necessarily has an impact on anything so so yeah I, I i really got to see the beauty of creating you know like through starting companies and and yeah then essentially it was just a a matter of time till i found something that really that really interested me as a long-term project so when when I left VC, I didn't have a job. I essentially left VC to pursue other ideas, but uh, that wasn't necessarily the company I, I now fundraise for. So after leaving VC, I came back to Mexico. I took some time to sort of like think through what I wanted to do next, to, to read, to go back to my research. I, I, I even went back to academia. So, so, so last year, I was teaching at my old university in Mexico City as a professor. I, I taught machine learning, I taught optimization. So it, it wasn't automatic that, that I said, oh, I'm I, I doing VC because I, I want to start a company. I left VC because it wasn't for me. And through a long process of reflection, I actually saw this very exciting opportunity in the market that I now want to tackle.
1: Well, no, I find that story really interesting that almost like VC being a founder and academia is on a spectrum and you found the... right fit for you in terms of what these opportunities offer you and i'm always curious to ask founders this of like what was your light bulb moment of you know starting coin like was it a light bulb moment or was there a a gradual piecing together various things and then coming up with this solution yeah i'm curious to know that
2: it's quite interesting because coin in a way is the product of a very personal journey. So I, I would have never, I would say started Quine if I hadn't worked in academia, if, if I hadn't uh, worked in BC, and if I hadn't, I would say like, uh, yeah, like done mathematics and ML as, uh, as a research focus. What we're building at Quine, I would say at, at the high level um, is we're building interfaces for developers to better interact with capitalism. The developers are now becoming the workforce of, of the future and as such you know like there are quite a few uh, things that uh, are very economically inefficient from the point of view of a developer and the, from the point of view of companies and open source that can be improved and you know like can can create value for all parties involved so right like uh, one of the things I, I was interested on when i was in oxford in the machine learning department i was really interested on machine learning models that could understand source code, right? So, so I mean, this is this is a problem that is related to NLP, natural language processing. And I was interested in, you know, like how complex or how difficult it would be to adapt these tools to the source code space. So sort of like using NLP technologies to produce tools that would make developers' lives easier or, you know, like more efficient. Then essentially during my time in the Inventor, I experienced this the rise of cryptocurrencies, as as I already said. And I found that extremely interesting because cryptocurrencies combine many of of the things that people idealize from open source. Many developers, especially for Bitcoin or Ethereum, like uh, became millionaires, like from from one day to another. Uh, You know, like like these decisions of... uh, creating Bitcoin cash, you know, like uh, like hard-forking the projects. They're really just actions in a GitHub repository that have very deep economic consequences. And and, and this I I found, like, super cool. I was like, hey, developers here are really at the central stage, and I I found it super interesting. That made me think a lot about the role of the software developer in the current economy and how little power they often have in companies or when looking for a job or you know like when, when contributing to open source at coin we're building technology to help developers make use of machine learning and data to sort of like take take back the power of their interactions with companies with other developers and, and with open source but right uh, I guess long story short Quine is a product of a very personal journey and I, I wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't worked in VC and if I, if I hadn't worked in academia
0: great to hear how all these like different pieces in your life are culminating towards you know quine now and how you've taken inspiration from different phases in your life that really resonates with me because all of my experiences across you know startups or executive search or or nvc you know feed into my role role now and it's i think there's no opportunity that goes wasted i think you can find Inspiration from anywhere. You know, even if you're not at your your dream right now, there's lessons to be learned. And now you're building this baby. You know, you're building this dream.
2: Right. I, I guess just to. Clarify. Yeah, it, this this wasn't really a dream before, right? I mean, this this was just like say this thing you realize that is missing, and and you can only realize it if you combine the right experiences and the right insights, and, and you form um, some sort of opinion and expertise in particular markets, which is something I guess I, I would have never acquired or i would have never reached this level of understanding of of i would say like the developer tools market or the cryptocurrency markets or the machine learning industry if i hadn't worked in VC.
1: Mm, super interesting stuff but i would say uh, especially for my mind quite a complex product and that leads me on to you've just pitched to a number of investors and adding to that the difficulty of it all being remote. So I was wondering, we've asked a lot of our guests from the investor's perspective how it's been listening to pitches from founders remotely. How has that been for you, given that you know your, your product is, is complex and you're trying to pitch it through a screen to investors?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it wasn't the easiest process, but we were fortunate we found uh, like the, the right partners to do this with i would say um r- relatively early and, and yes it, it, it was it was a tough process because a lot of the things i know for a fact this is used to make decisions are definitely lost when you're having a, a video conference right so especially at, at this early stage decisions are mostly about the team and it's also about the impressions investors have on the team, which, of course, are degraded once you're talking over over Zoom. Um, we did have some experiences in which uh, investors were hearing us out. But at some point, they, they would tell us they were not investing because of COVID. So, like, you know, like that, that was quite disheartening because, you know, like you, you as a founder, you also invest a lot of time. You know, like trying for that conversation to be as clear as possible and as yeah. powerful as possible. But and, and at the end of the day, you realized it was a waste of your time because they, they were not going to invest anyway. Essentially, fundraising isn't really about convincing people at the other side of the table to come to your side of the table. It's essentially finding those people that are already on your side of the table so at the end of the day yeah it, it was a challenging process but uh, i don't think it was overly challenging because we had this clarity in mind that we're not trying to sell our company we're trying to find the right partners to work with and if it takes a while then so be it if we deliver the message clearly then then, then we will be able to find these these people and, and these partners and, and yes like we were able to find them relatively quickly
0: Great. So, so, Rodrigo, we're going to do a, a little segment called Quickfire Questions with you. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, the first one is, if you started a fund, what would you call it?
2: I would say rms.vc, uh, just because those are my initials, but also it's like a machine learning bond. RMS means, root means square. And that was the email handle I, I was having through my academic career and really liked it. So I would say, yeah.
0: Cool. I like that. I like just having um, letters as well. RMSVC, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I'm thinking also about domains, right? Not, not necessarily fun. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the second one, what slide in a deck do you just feel ugh, about?
2: Yeah, I I, I think uh, as a founder, really irritates me to sort of like write product roadmaps, uh, you know, or or, or, or timelines because uh, they are often completely arbitrary and and also I would say uh, market sizing is very annoying. And initially in our deck we didn't have this, but then uh, one of the investors we talked with was like, "Oh, I, I want to see what's the total addressable market," and this is a, as well like a number that is super arbitrary. I mean, for me, it makes no sense, but still, right? Like, uh, you, you have to go through it.
0: Okay, got it. And then um, working from home or working in the office?
2: 100% in the office. Yeah, I, I cater working <laughs> from home.
1: Well, one last question from me, Rodrigo, is that obviously I'm totally biased that we have the best listeners that a podcast could possibly have. But I definitely do think it's the case. And there's some super smart individuals listening in. And and normally at this segment of the podcast, we ask the fund whether they're hiring. But in your case, is there an ask that you would like our listeners to help you out with? would you be open to sharing your contact details and, and who, who would you like uh, to reach out sure. to
2: So actually, yeah, like um, maybe it's worth to make uh, an announcement. So given that we just closed around, we have started to, to hire. So we're, we're now hiring uh, for positions, mainly in software engineering, machine learning, design, and uh, also we're hiring a community manager. So uh, if you know of someone that is interested in working on machine learning, open source developer tools, please send them our way. The application form can be found on the webpage, it's https: colon slash quine.sh, it's q-u-i-n-e e.sh. sh. So right, if the people listening to this know, know of uh, good software engineers or machine learning engineers, uh, looking for a new exciting role? Please send them our way.
1: Amazing! And would that role be in London?
2: Yes, we're we're currently hiring for London or remote, but we have a strong preference for London. So right. So if if you're thinking about your next career move, please, think us.
1: Amazing! Wow, well, you you heard it here first. Um, actually, you are the first current startup founder to come on Associated. So uh, congratulations. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. No,
2: no, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the time. Uh, it was really an interesting conversation. Uh, thanks for, for having me and cheers.
0: Awesome. I really enjoyed that, Rodrigo. Thanks for making the time. But yeah, learned a ton um, during our discussion. Thanks again to our listeners for tuning in. Um, please have a look at Quine if you're interested in, in joining and a next move in your career. Otherwise, keep sending us letters. Keep tuning in. Please follow us on Twitter at Associated underscore Pod P O D. And as always, we love hearing from you. Love hearing your feedback, your comments, your questions. So please send them in to Associated Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out uh, all the resources, all the companies, all the cool readings mentioned on our Notion page. Thanks, guys.